Look at that enthusiasm. <laughs> None of you adults came in that way. <laughs> Boy, it's great watching the little ones. Especially when your grandchildren are uh, in Ontario. It's uh, very special indeed. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we, we do thank you for a beautiful day. Up to this point, we've had a very soft winter. And we thank you, Father, for those of us who have to travel. Uh, it, it certainly has been a blessing. We uh, thank you, Father, for this opportunity to uh, worship you. We, we looked at the word eternal and everlasting a great deal this morning in breaking of bread. And I pray, Father, that the, th the theme that you've placed on my heart uh, will very much follow in the wonderful sharing time that we had this morning. We thank you for your love and care, and thank you for each one who is here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I start, I'd just like to say I really do appreciate the kindness, the generosity, and uh, the wonderful welcome that we get every time we come here. Uh, this is definitely, and this isn't flattery, uh, this is definitely an oasis for, for Lita and I. And when a, a certain fellow named David calls me and asks me to, uh, uh, to come along, uh, there's always a silly grin on my face, and I... <laughs> Uh, I just look forward to it, and I, I want to thank you very much for that. There are a lot of serving people here. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Broken and a contrite heart. If you have a broken and a contrite heart and a servant's heart, you got it made. You're, you're tasting what life can really be, and uh, that's very precious indeed. Just before I, I do get started, uh, a fellow named Bretton Murphy, uh, who pastored here in Nova Scotia, has gone back up to Cape Breton, so it's easy to remember his name. He's in Cape Breton, and his name is Breton Murphy. And he has found out he has, um, I think, around seven tumors. And uh, is, he's just in his 40s. Uh, he was working on his uh, CA, what I used, we used to call chartered accountant. It's some, something else now. But um, uh, he's been driving truck and, and very, very busy guy. But uh, all of a sudden, this uh, illness has just really struck him. As we study the Word of God, we are learning more and more about our Lord's passions, priorities, and his principles. Those passions and pursuits become clear to us as we take note of the principles that are repeated over and over and over again in the Word and during our studies in the Word of God. If you turn, please, to Isaiah 54, 5. <clears throat> In Isaiah 54, 5, For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer. So we see many titles there, but we haven't finished yet. And the Holy One of Israel. But here's the one that I particularly want to focus on today. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. The God of the whole earth. And the key word there being whole. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. In the world of missions under the Great Commission, which calls us to go into all the world, this name for God becomes more and more dominant in our thinking with time. And once again, to go back to that, the God of the whole earth 
shall be he called. When we consider when God is truly present as a focus of worship, there's of course praise, there's honor, there's thanksgiving, and all of these things are being offered up. This makes the teaching on the whole earth very important to those who are committed to the Great Commission. If you'd turn please to 1 John 2.2. 2. 1 John 2.2. 2. And in 1 John 2.2 2 it says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that's where some people stop. You know, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Jesus lives within my life, my heart, my being. So that's enough. I'm satisfied. We'll just leave it there. And that, of course, is never the teaching from the Word of God. And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Paul was never content with being born again himself. Never, ever content with that. I believe that one of the things that made the Apostle Paul great within the body of Christ was that he was able to see the world with huge similarities to the way that God saw it. Our ability to see through the eyes of Christ is often distorted. It's quite a world that we're living in. I, a couple of people commented uh, during our break time uh, just how incredible uh, the events of today are. Our ability to see through the eyes of Christ is often distorted by the stresses and the distractions of living in a fast-moving, sin-cursed world system. Paul went on to say, if you would turn please to Romans 1, 14 through 16. Romans 1, 14 through 16. <clears throat> I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel and to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Quite a statement. Can you picture Paul saying those words, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you think there was some sincerity, there was some depth and truth in his sharing? Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if some of these people like Paul and John uh, and Peter get to preach up in heaven, but boy, what a treat it would be uh, to see them sharing some of these truths that we've considered for so, such a long time. How very, very precious it is. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul starts out this passage with uh, a specific reference to finances, because that's where the word debtor comes from. But he uses the word debtor in a far different context than we use that word. Now imagine a young 20-year-old man. And of course, like all 20-year-old men and a little bit younger, you want a car. That's Wheels are the big thing in your life. And uh, you're standing in front of the bank in Nova Scotia, and uh, you're going to become a debtor 
in order to acquire this vehicle that has caught your eye. And you know, he's, he's not thinking that he is the authority. He's thinking, I come here with my needs. I come here to this bank that has billions and billions of dollars, and uh, th these are the people that are going to help me acquire that, uh, that acquisition. He's bringing his financial needs and weakness to the resources and strength of the institution that is much more capable than he is at this time. But that's not how Paul uses the word debtor. Matter of fact, he uses it completely opposite from that young man. He is saying that I am so wealthy as a child of God, a personal friend of Jesus Christ, a citizen of the heavenlies, that I owe it to you to share with you my riches, my wealth, all the things that have been bestowed upon me. If you're here today without Christ living within you, then I owe you the very best I have in order to share with you simply and yet clearly and, and from a heart-to-heart -heart level the riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In certainly the last 42 years in my life, not in the first 30, but in the last 42 years, the, the comfort, the strengthening, the blessing, the uplifting, the edifying of a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is something that has become more and more precious to me the older I become. And I owe you to share with you as fervently and honestly and as profoundly as I possibly can what it is and how you can become a person who also has these riches and this wealth. I'm a lot more wealthy today than Donald Trump will ever be, unless, unless he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we will be equal brothers. And until he confesses himself as a sinner before the Lord and the Lamb of God, at the moment he will move up, if you will, to just somebody who owns an airplane and would really like the job as a politician. That's about all he is, really. Big deal. Have you ever seen anyone go to their grave taking a Learjet with them? They don't bury Learjets. They don't go with you. Nothing goes with you. Donald Trump, I suggest that you consider when you're saying some of these statements that you're, that you're making, which actually make me rather uneasy. This man is seeking to be in charge of the most powerful nation in the world that has the button for nuclear power, and yet openly admits, I'm just talking off the top of my head. I just got this idea now. Let's uh, ban that particular com company called Apple, one of the biggest computer uh, uh, companies in the nation. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's just not a situation that, that calls to be so spontaneous that you haven't thought through what you're saying at all. And it really, really does concern me, and I, I think it concerns many other people, too. I agree with some of his conservative views, but I certainly don't agree with the whole style that he's approaching it with and, and the way that he's carrying on. It, it's almost embarrassing at times. We see the concept of the whole world once again. If you'd turn, please, to Psalm 72.19. 72.19. <clears throat> and blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth, there it is again, that expression, 
and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And I really like the end of this. Amen and amen. <laughs> that, that just reminds me of a double-barreled shotgun. Amen, of course, is I'm in agreement. I'm, I'm in agreement with what's just been sh shared. And I'm in agreement. Amen and amen. Got you twice. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Just think about that picture for a minute. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. My goodness, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. And what is the reason that we're given life this morning as we got out of bed? It's only one basic reason, and that is to bring glory and honor. We've sung about it this morning, to bring glory and honor to the triune God. Primarily, we're focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. But as people grow in their honor and glory and thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll learn more and more about the Holy Spirit and they'll learn more and more about God the Father. And yet we know that between 1,900 and 2,000 people groups have not one word of the scriptures in their mother tongue. Think about that. The reason for them being, and I was reading in a, in a devotional just this week, we have trillions, trillions of cells in our bodies. This, this human body is an incredible, amazing thing. But we have trillions of cells and within those cells are trillions of atoms. It, it, it is an amazing creation. And God put all of that together. No big bang did all of that. And God put all of that together. Our primary purpose is in bringing glory to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we can live our whole existence never once having lived out the purpose that God put all that together for. The whole purpose. As God looks down on these areas of people groups that have never lived out their purpose for living during those thousands of years, what goes through the mind of God? As, as he does all of that, you know, th this, this God who's never created two snowflakes the same yet, th this incredible, brilliant, uh, creative God who, who did all of that in this magnificent human body that we, he gives us and blesses us with, and yet he's looking down on millions of people who have never for one second in their whole existence of three score and 10 plus whatever, they never for one second have lived out the purpose that they were put together for. Never once, never for a second. An amazing thought. He is looking at each individual, but if he was looking at regions like the weather map on CTV, if you watch that in the mornings, all the pinks and the blues and the reds, all the weather warnings, what would God be looking at if he had a regional area for those who have fulfilled the purpose that he created them for? It'd have to be black, wouldn't it? For darkness and lostness, eternal lostness, as we pointed out in breaking of bread this morning. Each 45 days, New Tribe's mission reaches another indigenous group with the gospel of Jesus Christ in their mother tongue. Do you think there's rejoicing in heaven when that happens? They've looked down on that darkness. The angels have, and God has looked down on that darkness for thousands of years. And all of a sudden, light starts to pierce that darkness. And the things we talked about in breaking of bread this morning, the things we talked about are suddenly starting to break through. And they're starting to comprehend. And they're starting to realize. And in our mission, when we go 
from, uh, from Genesis and creation through to the resurrection, just before the resurrection, there's terrible sadness. They killed our Jesus. They killed him. And, and we don't tell them that day. We do not tell them that the next day we're going to teach them about the resurrection. And he is coming back to life. We don't tell them about that. And they go through that grieving uh, period in their lives. And then the rejoicing that takes place the next day is absolutely incredible. I'm certainly convinced that God is passionate about this whole thing. And I'll tell you one of the reasons that I'm convinced about it is I have seen so many people, ordinary people, wonderfully used by God who have been involved in this whole outreach. You know, I used to do something. I, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to admit this to you or not. <laughs> but, you know, when you've been on the field for quite a few years, the new guys, the new gals arrive. And uh, I didn't even share this with my wife, but uh, I, I used to kind of look at them as, you know, which ones were going to really hang in there and which ones were going to wipe out. Well, you know I was often wrong. <laughs> and uh, some of the people that just... It doesn't look like they'll stay, you know. Just, it just isn't going to happen. And those people were there for decades. And some of the people that I thought were real sparkling uh, possibilities were gone in six months or, or less sometimes. And uh, the, the Lord just wonderfully uses people who are very, very ordinary. And that's one of the things that's spoken to my heart. Neil, this thing is for real. It's got Christ written all over it. And, and he blesses it, and he raises these people up, and he uses them in an amazing way. In Romans 8.29, if you would turn there, please, Romans 8.29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed and this is sanctification, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, to be conformed to the image of his son. We're being conformed once again to the priorities, the passions, and the purposes of Jesus Christ every day in our lives. It's the biggest thing that happens to us daily is that we are being conformed to his personhood and everything that that represents. If our God sees himself as the God of the whole world, these areas of darkness with no light from the God-breathed word of God should be an area of concern and also a key word, and you hear it a lot in Canada these days, and that is compassion for ourselves also, an area of concern and compassion for what is going on and the needs of those people. A valid question is whether we are resisting the conforming powers of God in our lives, or are we surrendered to the goals he is moving towards in these latter days, one more time, all over the world, all over the world? And you know, if God longs to be a focus of worship and adoration for the whole world, he longs for that for everybody here this morning, everybody here in this room. And I know it's always on my heart, Neil, don't just take them to the farthest most outreaches of the world. Don't forget, there might be somebody right in front of you who has never been blessed in this way, who has never received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and therefore doesn't understand about this relationship 
that strengthens and affirms and allows you the possibility to come closer and closer daily to being everything that God wants you to be. I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I'm talking about sanctification and growing in Christ and growing in that being conformed to his person, his priorities, his passions, the things that are absolutely precious to him. And you know, I, I see these men on, on television and, and some of them are born again Christians. Some of the, the men from the South uh, in the Republican group definitely uh, had a testimony of being Christians. Uh, most of them are long gone now. They're not in the race any longer. But uh, I watch some of these other men and you know, they're so bold in what they say and they come across so strongly. And you know, I, I, just, I just wish one of them would say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, that's not, of course, what's on their mind, and that's not what they're presenting in, in a, a, an electoral uh, campaign and uh, all the things that they're involved with. But you know, the Lord is longing to see that worship all over the world. And once again, go back to that picture in your mind. Imagine a world where the glory of God is all over the world. Wow, it uh, just, it, it kind of thrills your heart. And yet, our pride, and, and that's one of the things that we see causing embarrassment in, in that election campaign right now, uh, is pride. Um, it, it's just, it's just a, a really difficult thing to admit that you're a lost sinner headed for a boundless hell. Oh, that isn't fair. Fairness has nothing to do with it. It's the truth. It's the truth. And you know, once again, as I shared earlier, if you're here today and you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ living within your heart, I owe it to you. I am your debtor to present this to you as fervently and as honestly and in as real a sense as I ever possibly could. I can't even imagine where I would be today if I hadn't got saved 42 years ago. I can't imagine the tragedy that my life would have gone through. And yet God, in his wonderful grace, for by grace are ye saved, unmerited favor. And yet we're so eager to work ourselves, there's that pride again, work ourselves into the equation. If I do enough good works, and if God is a God of love, we'll work it all out, and I'll get into heaven. No, you won't. No, you won't. Turning your back on the cross, the cross that we talked about all through breaking of bread, turning your back on what Jesus Christ has done for you, you will never be accepted. Imagine, once again, going back to just very practical, real terms. If you gave your son up for something and somebody turned their back and sought out an alternative, embracing their own good works, you would accept them? I don't think so. How much more could you do if you only had one son? I only have one son. If I gave him up, I can't imagine how painful it would be if people came to me and said, well, I found an alternative. They told me good works that do the trick. So therefore, I'm here. Let me in. No. No, it's never, ever, ever going to happen. And you have to overcome your pride to be able to just simply acknowledge before the Lord Jesus Christ, I am a sinner. I am lost. I am worthy of the eternal judgment that's waiting for me unless I receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is holy and righteous and pure and true. 
what he did. And if you missed Breaking of Bread this morning, we had many beautiful portrayals of the value of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang about it this morning, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you at my own funeral, one of the major, major hymns is gonna be there's power in the blood because I want all my unsaved liberal relatives to hear that. I want them to hear that that was the hymn that I wanted sung because I, I long for the day when they will be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And three days later, he conquers death eternally. Those words came up over and over again this morning in the first service. Eternally, he conquered death. He was truly and ultimately victorious. Satan had been rejoicing for three days. We beat him. We beat him. We killed him. We wiped him out. And all of a sudden, I can't imagine the look on his face. Absolute shock, stunned. No, he's beat us. He's beat all my legions. He's beat us all. He is the victor. He is the living and risen Christ. It's all belief. And everybody here knows my favorite verse, verses. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, the Bible teaches it, not of yourselves. Stop trusting in yourself. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're being offered a gift by the one who loves you perfectly. If you come into that relationship, you will experience strengthening and comfort and guidance and direction and discernment and godly wisdom like you've never known before. It's a whole new world. It's a whole new relationship. It's the most precious relationship you can enter on the face of this planet Earth. And it's offered to you and it's free because he paid the price. Don't walk away from that. Don't walk away from that. I come to you not to condemn you. I come to you as a debtor, a debtor who's been richly blessed for 42 years. And because of that 42 years, I've seen his blessings and his comfort and his grace over and over and over again. And one of my favorite verses after those 42 years is, my grace is made perfect in weakness. How precious, how precious the verse that is. Don't walk away from that gift, it's yours. He died for you, don't walk away from it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the privilege it is to share the most precious, precious verse, the, the most precious truth, the most precious gift that was ever offered on this planet Earth. <clears throat> I thank you, Father, that, that you love us with unconditional love, that no one here has sinned so greatly that your love cannot overpower that sin, wash it away and cleanse it, whiter than snow. Father in heaven, I pray that nobody will leave here still bound for eternal judgment, eternal lostness, eternal torment. I pray, Father, that you will work in hearts, draw people to yourself, Lord Jesus, convict them of sin, 
pierce their defenses and their excuses with a sharp two-edged sword of truth. And I pray, Father, that if they do make the mistake of walking out of here alone today, a lone ranger, if they walk out on Victoria Road, not having the security and the assurance of eternal salvation, I pray, Father, that you'll raise up others who can share with them from the heart, share their testimonies, share truth from the word, share their life with you. And I pray that before they draw their last breath, they will know what it means to say, praise the Lord Jesus. He is the God, the King of the whole earth. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.